But of course, for Paul, that wasn't good enough. To be an almost Christian wasn't nearly enough. And Paul said, I would that you were as I am, altogether persuaded. And of course, Paul, as you know, was no halfway Christian. He was no half Jew, half Christian, half Judean, half kingdom of God. He was a man that was absolutely surrendered and totally sold out. Now, you and I need to know tonight that you can't be a halfway Christian. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and it is a real joy to have the opportunity to bring the Lord's Word again today. We're looking at Acts 26, the almost Christian. And of course, there is no such thing as the one who's an almost Christian. You're either a Christian or you're not. But Agrippa, oh, almost, he said to Paul, thou convinceth me to be a Christian. We have a wonderful hymn today also, Amazing Grace, an all-time favorite, and indeed God's grace is amazing. We also come now to our opening few thoughts on the Psalm 26, the very last verse which says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A great deal of the psalmist's meaning hangs on this opening word, surely. It is the opening up of a theme of confidence. The whole Psalm 23 fosters peace, assurance, and contentment. But this is a trumpet note of total victory for the Christian. This Old Testament word, surely, is like the Lord's verily. It is easy to look over the past and note the hand of God at work, but it takes great faith to look forward to our very last day on earth and be certain about our future. This Psalm 23 is a tonic for the soul that has trouble obeying the Lord's injunction. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take care of itself. Psalm 23 is God's answer to the believer's anxiety. The Lord is my shepherd. That settles the issue. But there is a fine line between the Christian's confidence and bragging in self. Nevertheless, David, the Christ-like man, did all his readers great service by penning these words. As a part of the church's songbook, it teaches us that praise out of certainty about the future grace to our souls is a proper and godly thing. I would, uh, there was more sincerity about God's people both in our singing, our praying, and our witnessing. Unbelief is our being in worship. Full faith enables us to open our mouths wide to praise our God. When the honor goes to the shepherd, the sheep may sing on. Two things led the psalmist to this sure and certain confidence. Firstly, this confidence comes from the shepherd's dealings with the sheep. The shepherd's dealings with the sheep. How precious they are and how true they are unto us. We can focus on the shepherd's character, who he is. He's the Lord Jehovah. He is El Shaddai. And we're trusting in the one 
who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, the great I Am. Also, we can focus on the Lord's past record. As you go right through the Psalm 23, we note that he's faithful, gentle, the restorer of our souls, the comforter, the one who is an abundant provider. And past record is indicative of future behavior. The Lord has proven himself over and over to us. We can focus also on the Lord's purpose. And it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. These twin trophies of the Christian. It's not justice or not righteousness, but goodness and mercy. The word follow here means has the idea of a target or of a hunter keeping his prey in the sights of his gun. He has trained his field glasses. The crosshairs are right on the very subject that he is hunting. And the Lord keeps his eye upon us. His focus is upon the soul of the believer. And the Lord follows us, cares for us, and watches over us. His focus is on grace because the word mercy is here. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And this means that the sheep is not cast away from poor performance. All the Lord's ways with his people are mercy unto us. He will never begin to deal with us according to our desert. We will never graduate from being hand-fed, hand-led sheep. We continue all our days under his divine care. And he knows we are sinners and will feel him. Thus, his ministry of restoration. And that's the comfort of the sheep. That's the comfort of the Christian, that the Lord ministers grace to us. He restoreth my soul. And I pray that today the Lord will draw near to minister to your heart and just give you his blessing. Let's pray for that. Father, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus, our wonderful Savior. We pray that you will send your Spirit to guide us into all truth and to give grace. Thank you for the confidence we have in our shepherd. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank thee for this assurance that you give to those that are redeemed, washed by the blood, following thee in spirit and truth. And we pray today that through the ministry of your word that you will work these things in every heart, and that you will be that true shepherd to your own sheep. Now minister to us, draw near and bless. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we're turning now to our message today, and it is on Acts 26, Paul standing before King Agrippa, and Agrippa's own confession that almost you've persuaded me to be a Christian. Maybe you've been to an evangelistic meeting, to a church service, or someone has talked to you about your soul's need of salvation, and this is exactly where you're at. Uh, you felt some of the tugs of the truth and the claims of the gospel that really convinced you that these things are accurate and true, uh, and there was perhaps even the desire to step forward and to surrender to the gospel of the Lord Jesus and to become a Christian. But you haven't done so, and you are therefore the almost Christian. Well, this message no doubt is for you. 
And I trust that it will be a word in season, a word that will just strengthen you and bring you to that point where you will step forward, surrender your life, and come to the Savior. So stay tuned as we move now to the pulpit ministry of our church, Acts 26, Paul preaching to Agrippa. The power of a testimony is really very great. And when Paul was given this opportunity to speak before Agrippa, he was on his last legs. He was soon to be shipped out to the city of Rome, where he would stand before Nero. And at that point, Paul knew not what his fate would be there. Most people would start into some message of compromise and say, well, how can I save my skin? But Paul, true to the the messenger that he was, he simply declared to Agrippa and all who gathered to hear what the Lord had done in his own life, in his own soul, and the reason why he was not parading or in any way placating the Jews that were around him. Now, a testimony is very personal. And there's no way you can give a testimony and just talk about someone else. And this is one of the reasons why it has such uh, immediate power and influence. It is relevant because it's not talking about some person in history, but it's right now today, someone you know and someone that you are able to observe in their ways. A testimony also calls for a response, because when you hear someone giving their testimony, it is, by its very nature, an exhortation for you to sign up, to follow, uh, to receive the same mercy, and to become a believer in the Lord Jesus. When we think of Agrippa and how he responded, we're told that he was greatly moved. And he said to Paul, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But of course, for Paul, that wasn't good enough. To be an almost Christian wasn't nearly enough. And Paul said, I would that you were as I am, altogether persuaded. And of course, Paul, as you know, was no halfway Christian. He was no half Jew, half Christian half Judean, half kingdom of God. He was a man that was absolutely surrendered and totally sold out. Now, you and I need to know tonight that you can't be a halfway Christian. You cannot be half for the world, half for the devil, half for the things that are contrary to God, and also halfway to Christ. You're either altogether a Christian or you're not a Christian at all. And that's certainly the message that Paul conveyed to uh, Agrippa on this occasion. So the question tonight is not, are you a good Presbyterian, free Presbyterian, Baptist, Congregationalist, or any other church name, but are you a Christian? And are you an altogether Christian? and anything less will never do. Now, in this passage and in this statement, you learn here Paul's reason or sense of need to persuade Agrippa to be a Christian, because obviously that was what he was doing. 
And Agrippa knew it. And he said to Paul, almost you persuade me. And I want us to look at the reasons why Paul would persuade Agrippa. We also want to look at the methods of persuasion. What tools did he use to persuade Agrippa? And then I want us to consider Paul's alarm at Agrippa's response, saying he was almost persuaded. And I think we will look at this whole subject quite uh, uh, systematically and thoroughly by looking at these three things. So firstly, the need for Paul to persuade Agrippa to be a Christian. Now, it was in Paul's interest to put the focus on himself and his own innocence. But Agrippa soon knew that it was him, Agrippa himself, that was under the searchlight. And Paul was preaching very directly and powerfully right to his own heart. And Paul did not miss this golden opportunity. And it was a golden opportunity because this man, Agrippa, was from a Jewish family. He had been born in Rome and elevated to this position of king. But he was a descendant of Herod. His father was Agrippa I, and he now was Agrippa II. But being of Jewish ancestry, he knew the Bible. And being a king and ruler over Judea, he knew the history of the sudden rise of Christianity. He knew about the death of Christ and the whole account of the resurrection and this furore that was going on in the Jewish circles of many conversions to Christianity. And so Paul took this golden opportunity to speak to him. Firstly, Agrippa needed to know that Jesus is Lord. And if you go back, and that's why I started way back at verse 12, if you go back to Paul's own testimony, he reminded and he rehearsed to Agrippa Paul's own experience of meeting the living Lord Jesus. And in verse uh, 15, Paul said, uh, Who art thou, Lord? Here is Paul's own conversion when he was on that road to Damascus, and the bright light shone upon him. He was cast to the ground, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And in giving his own testimony to Agrippa, he was pointing out that this man, Jesus, the man that was hung on the cross, who was put in a tomb and rose again, and many were citing as the Messiah, converting from Judaism to Christianity. And Agrippa, I have seen the living Lord Jesus. And Agrippa needed to know that the Lord Jesus was indeed truly alive. And of course, this is the reason that we must persuade men today. Christianity is not an option. Christianity is not an alternate religion. It is the true religion, because we're the only religion with a living Savior. He's no longer in the grave. He's alive, and He rules, and He comes to save His people. Now, in verse 8, I realize that I'm, I'm picking and choosing 
through this testimony of Paul. But allow me just to pick up some of the, the big statements of Paul's testimony to Agrippa, and you'll see how skillfully he spoke to this man. Verse 18, he told him that he needed his eyes opened to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Now, that's the mission that was given to Paul the Apostle. That was his message and his ministry, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Now, that's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has had their eyes opened. Their eyes have been opened to their lost condition, to appreciate their real darkness. And you'll never be a Christian until you realize you're lost. You'll never want your eyes opened until you recognize you're blind. And there needs to be that miracle of grace to bring a person to that very condition. Otherwise, you'll start thinking that you're good enough. You'll start thinking that I don't need anything too radical. All I need is just a little bit of cleaning up on the outside, uh, clean off the dish a little bit, and it's reusable. No, the Bible tells us that we are polluted, corrupt, lost, and blind in sin. Dr. Paisley has a message on this text in his book called The Man and His Message. And as I came to preach on this text, I said I can do no better than to read how he handled all of this account. And it's a wonderful story that after one of his gospel campaigns, where he was preaching the gospel, and there were people getting saved, and there was great conviction in the meetings. And there was this particular lady who stomped out of a meeting right past him as he stood at the door, and he knew that woman's mad with me, and I'm in for it. And he saw her making a U-turn before she went out the gate, and she marched right up to him, and she led it on and said, How dare you say that I'm not good enough for heaven? Do you not realize that I'm a Presbyterian? I'm a member of the Women's Auxiliary. I teach Sunday school. And she went right down the line of all the things she did. And Dr. Paisley just stood there and took this for a while. And when she came to the end of her tirade, he said to her, Madam, would you like me to show you in a little mirror your real state? And she said, yes. And he took a little pocket Bible out of his breast pocket and he turned to Isaiah chapter 1, and he said, I'd like you to look in here and read with me these verses, those verses where we are polluted from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet, and there is nothing but wounds and bruises and corruption within us. And she said, Mom, that's not me speaking. That's the Lord speaking. That's God's Word and that's your real state out of the mirror of God's Word. That woman, either that evening or at some point during that gospel campaign, was broken and brought to her need. You see, preaching is about opening people's eyes that they may turn from darkness to light. Now, let me ask you, are you a Christian? You have turned from such darkness to light. Also in verse 18, Agrippa needed to have his sins forgiven. 
And here is Paul giving his own testimony of his own ministry, and he's emphasizing this point, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Did Agrippa have that? Could Judaism give him forgiveness of sins? Well, they carried on the blood sacrifices of animals. Even after that veil was rent, they carried on right to A.D. 71, when the Romans destroyed the whole city and the uh, temple was uh, desecrated, burned, and all the items were carried off. The Jews continued to offer animal sacrifices. The Bible's very clear. The blood of animals cannot cleanse from sin. Only the blood of Christ can do that. And Agrippa, Jew as he was, perhaps somewhat religious, but he did not have the forgiveness of sins. And you can't call yourself a Christian unless you can say that your sins are forgiven. That's what a Christian is, a person who has had forgiveness of sins. Oh, the blessedness of sins forgiven. If you'd been in the prayer meeting Wednesday evening when we looked at Psalm 32, we learned, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is he whose transgressions are not, or iniquities are not imputed to him. Oh, there's a joy, a blessedness that comes into the soul. And it is indeed a weight lifted. It's a liberty that every Christian enjoys. Now, if you don't have that tonight, you can't call yourself a Christian. You might be an almost Christian, and we'll look at that in a moment. But if you don't have the forgiveness of sins, you can't call yourself a Christian. Now, this was very potent and powerful when Paul was speaking to Agrippa because there were many rumors about Agrippa. This woman, Bernice, was actually his blood sister. But there were many rumors that they were living together in a, an immoral state. And in those days, when you're dealing with politicians and people of great authority, suspicions didn't get much further than that. But as Paul spoke to this man about having his sins forgiven, he was speaking about very deep, dark, scarlet sins. And praise God, the gospel can do that. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, Such were some of you, but ye are washed, you're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. Our sins are forgiven. And no matter how dark they are, no matter how scarlet they are, they can be washed away in the blood of Christ. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you're not saved, but you need to be saved, don't stay away because you think you're, you're too you're far gone. You're beyond redemption. No, no. That is to despise the value of Jesus' blood.
thanks again for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I hope the program today has been a help and a blessing. If I can be of any personal help to you in guiding you in the Bible, in literature, in booklets, we have magazines, and we have a booklet here called A New Beginning. And, of course, we have uh, the opportunity just to share God's Word with you one-to-one. Then feel free to give me a call send me an email, and my prayer is that you will seek the Lord and that you will trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Now, for all the information concerning our church here, you can go to our website at www.cloverdalefpc.ca. That's cloverdalefpc.ca. And there you'll find all the information concerning our radio ministry and our church services. Also, how you can join us by webcast, and you'll find on the front page a little Live Now button, and when you click that during the times of our services, you can join us from your own computer in your home and view and worship with us as we seek to exalt the Lord Jesus in our church services. You'll also find us on Facebook. Just search Cloverdale Free, Cloverdale Free P on Facebook, and you'll find us. And we look forward to knowing that you're listening to the programs and benefiting from them day by day. This is Ian Golliher. Join us tomorrow again as we let the Bible speak. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak.